So I'm kindly joined today by Bob, um, and I've actually been really looking forward to this one. Uh, myself and Bob have communicated a couple of times over the last few weeks, and we're here today. So, Bob, before before we we get started, what I'd like to do is just let people know a little bit more about you. So, if you could give us a a background into yourself and and what did you do, that would be great. Yeah. So, thanks for having me in on Abs. Uh, this- very, very flattered to be on your podcast here today. Yeah, my name is Bob Dashazad. I'm a VP at the Sasha Group. We're a marketing agency based in the United States, although we have offices worldwide. I work in the LA office, and we we pretty much help clients come up with uh, marketing strategies to help grow their companies uh, in the 21st century coming out of the pandemic. But my personal story, you know, I've been doing this for 15 plus years. You know, I started back, it sounds like forever ago, but like the early 2000s working in the uh, ashes of Web 1.0. You know, I, I kind of came into the marketing industry from a different background. And so I got a later start in life than a lot of my counterparts. So I feel very blessed to, to have, you know, kind of experienced some success and, you know, love to, to share any of my experiences with you. So super, super have, uh, super glad to be on board. Great. Well, thanks for the intro, Bob. And, and where I usually like to start is, you know, talk me through how you got into what, you, what you're doing now. So as early back as you can remember, what what got you into into marketing? What got you excited about it? And what, why did you chose that as your career path? Yeah, I, you know, I don't get asked this question a lot. So this is actually really fun. Yep. I initially came out of college, university, as you would say, with a degree in something completely different. And um, right. you know, my parents were always very gung-ho about me pursuing my degree in, in my field of study. But at the time, and this was just to let everybody know, this was like the late 1990s. So the dot-com era was really beginning to explode. And I had friends <clears throat> who worked in some of these startups, one of them being Yahoo, who said, hey, you know, why don't you, why don't you take a look at this industry? You know, there's some interesting things happening. And some friends of mine who I went to university with who really weren't, I would say, like extremely, you know, studious <laughs> were getting yeah. exits. You know, they were making a lot of money as their companies were being purchased and stuff. So... It just seemed to be a really interesting time. So I got into that industry is primarily tech sales. You know, I'm a natural speaker, I guess, with, with some yep. with some folks. And so, you know, while I, th- things were very lucrative in my 20s, I wasn't really happy. I, was, I found myself, you know, traveling a lot, living out of my suitcase, you know, staying in business class hotel after business class hotel, like on the edges of the city, you know, like business yep. parks. And I just really didn't enjoy what I, what I was doing. And some of my clients you know, we're, we're startups and, and, you know, I got to interact luckily enough with some of their marketing departments. And I was like, oh, this seems really interesting. You know, it's a blend of like sociology with behavioral science, with creative, you know, uh, applications. And ultimately like it is somewhat of a sale, but you're selling a lot of people. And so I inquired about it. And then one of my clients was at the time a company called MySpace. <laughs> and yeah. so they you know put me in touch with the right people. And next thing I know, I had an interview for a job there as in the marketing department. And so that was my first real role. That's how I got into it. And once I got my first taste of marketing, I was like, this is amazing. I, I can't believe like people get paid to do this. Whereas, you know, in my career before in tech sales, like every Monday morning, I walked into the office with like this sense of dread, like, oh my gosh, I have to do this again. Like, let's, <laughs> let's pump ourselves up again for another week of this. And, you know, I just assumed that was what working, you know, life was about just like struggling through something you hated and, and, and getting paid, you know, in return as a result of that. So marketing to me, sounded like my calling. And when I found it. Well, well, on that, Bob, let me ask you two questions just before we, we go any further is one question about the sales tech job. 
what about it was it that was causing you to feel dread? And then the marketing job specifically, what was it about it that was making you excited and you thought, why am I getting paid to do that? Like, you know, how, how are people getting paid to do this? I mean, in retrospect, I mean, I think at the time I probably just, I just didn't like the process and how we were somewhat being, and it was a different era, the nineties, you know, micromanagement was more probably accepted, you know, in terms of like, you know, how companies were run. Yeah. So I didn't like being micromanaged and in sales. It's all about your pipeline. What's in your pipeline? You know, what, mm -hmm. what do you have coming? And you were kind of being held to this number to generate for the company. And so, you know, obviously nothing, not all companies, not all prospects, not all clients are created equal. And so. You know, I didn't feel like I was very good at managing that pipeline, but in retrospect, I don't think I really believed in what we were selling. And so that's what made it difficult is I wasn't passionate about what, what I was selling or what I was doing because I just didn't believe in it. And I obviously, you know, clients pick up on things and they probably didn't pick up on that passion or enthusiasm either. So, you know, I mean, I, I believe that firmly that people want to do business with people they can learn from and they like being around. And I probably wasn't that person because I didn't really believe in we were, what we were selling. So. And I'm sure the product was fine, but I just didn't personally have like a lot of enthusiasm for, you know, the category or what we did. I mean, we were serving like, like blade servers, <laughs> like who cares, right? So yep. with marketing, like I feel that, uh, you know, we really kind of almost like analyze problems, like almost like Rubik's cubes. And like, we really study, you know, what we're trying to accomplish before we set about to, to accomplish it. And so that tapped into a part of my brain that I think I, I, I automatically you know, I'm wired to do with in my personal life. Like I, I kind of approach problems the same way. So for me, it seemed like somewhat more of an academic approach to solving problems, but you got to use a lot of creativity. And, you know, I think that's a huge part of it too, is like, I, I wasn't able to use my creativity in my, in my, in my previous role. So this was, uh, I'm, I'm really glad you said that because it, it's interesting when someone speaks about their experience and for you, it's, it's just your experience. Whereas when I look at it from my end, it's I see common themes and I know what you're about to say next without you saying it. So I knew that when I asked you the question about the sales job, you, you didn't have a belief and a passion for what you were doing. I knew that was going to be the answer. I just wanted to know specifically from your perspective. And the key thing you said there is your strength. Being micromanaged works for some people because their strength may be working in a very logical, pragmatic way. Whereas I knew what you were going to say to me next was one of my strengths, creativity. And micromanagement completely and utterly, in a lot of cases, blocks creativity. So I think, which is great, very early, early on in your journey, you started noticing your strengths and your passions, which I think from every person I speak to is a very common theme for success is what are your strengths? What are your passions? And if the earlier you can identify them, the earlier you start leading into fulfilled work. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I mean, the way things are set up, you know, with society, it's a little bit unfair that you're forced to make that decision at 21 years old. Like, what are my <laughs> strengths? You just haven't lived enough life to really figure that out yet. And so, you know, back in, in, in when I was coming out of college, the saying was, hey, it's all trial and error before you turn 25. I think it's it's all, it's all 30 now. Like, it's all trial yeah. and error until, until you turn 30. And then you're, you're, you know, the stakes are real. Like, that that's like when you really have, mm -hmm. I think you, it's time to start kind of getting going with, with the direction you want to head in. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of, you know, my creativity. That, that's it. I don't think I even realized that until like my mid to late 20s that that was who I was. Mm -hmm. And so the micromanagement kind of organizational structure didn't work for me. 
I would say though, like generationally, I think something happened because you know we work with a lot of younger kids, you know, in, in marketing. Obviously, like we hire a lot of kids coming out of school, and I think they actually need some structure because they were provided a lot more, you know, I think like free space to explore that creativity than I was. So for me, it was stifling. For them, it's like structured. So it's different. Everybody's different. Well, let me ask. Let me ask on that then. So when you felt like you found your passion, which was in creativity and marketing. What then helped you in terms of a structure around that? Because you must have had a similar structure when you were in working in marketing to when you were working in sales. You know, there's structure in almost everything you do. So, so talk to me about talk to me about that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I would say I was actually lucky enough. So my first my, my first kind of like supervisors or managers in my marketing job were actually very out of the box thinkers. And so I think in a lot of ways I was lucky because the, the the folks we had hired at MySpace who kind of came on board were really kind of developing this digital style of marketing that we all kind of assume as the norm today. But back in, in those days in the early 2000s, it was very much like a new kind of science. And so I think they understood that like we don't have the answers and the way we're going to find the answers is by testing and learning, by using like, you know, essentially like A, B, multivariate testing to understand like what is considered a best practice and what we should do moving forward and revisit those best practices every six months because people's uh, behavior with the internet was changing. And so that's primarily our, our medium of marketing. And so we constantly had to stay on top of what was happening. So there was almost a lack of like, here's what you need to do. It's like, here, 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 are the, here's the way you figure it out. Here are the, the guidelines that we're going to use to determine what success is. And then you go out and tell us what's what's successful. So I was provided with a lot of like leeway to go and, and determine that, not just for myself, but for the organization. So they wanted to they wanted to kind of um, document a lot of what we were discovering and, and forming essentially like marketing best practices and, and you know essentially a brand new medium. And so in in that way, you know, I learned to learn. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> I completely. learned how to learn. Yeah. So that's really interesting you say that, and I think. What, I, what I'm taking from what you're saying and what I take in generally when I speak to people about their, their path to success is that, you know, to you, what worked, worked. And what didn't work, didn't work. So what I mean by that is, for you, that feels like the rule for life. What worked for you is the way it should work. But I think the reality is that you could have someone else that would look at what worked for you and be like, that's what I hated. I hated right. the fact that I didn't have micromanagement and a structure and I like to be told this is what I need to do and I go and do it. Whereas for you, you were told this is what you need to achieve, put your creativity towards achieving that. So yep. I think what, what the key of what you said there is that there's no right and wrong way of doing it, but there is when it comes to specifically you. And when you find out what works for you, you then thrive in that correct environment. Yeah. And, and getting back to, to what you mentioned earlier, you know, I think really understanding like what your strengths are. And again, it's really looking inward and identifying what is it about you know, things I like and I don't like. I think that's a, that's a huge starting point, right? So for whatever kind of person you are, is just understanding that about yourself is like, I think the first step in any kind of personal growth or success is just understanding who you are and what motivates you. Okay. So if I asked you who, who you'd say you were and how you put that into your work, what would you say? I, I just, you know, in a weird way, and I have to do these things from time to time from work for like skills assessments and stuff, but you know, I, I don't, I'm not necessarily motivated by money. Like financially, I'm not motivated by that. I, I'm really more motivated by like recognition. So even if it's just like a small pat on the back or at a boy or a call out in a meeting, those are the kinds of things that I really 
that really motivate me because I know that like my work is being appreciated and it's making an impact. And I'm just, you know, and in that way, you know, I feel, I feel valued. And so mm-hmm. the money is nice, you know, monetary compensation is fine. Obviously you need it to pay the bills and stuff, but that's really not what motivates me. I had that before and in tech sales. I mean, I was, I, it probably took me like 10 years to get back to my, <laughs> my salary level in marketing. Cause in tech, I mean, they were just throwing money at people, but they had to, cause it was, you know, pretty much like, you know, for me, a very difficult job to do. Cause again, I just, I just didn't have any passion for it. That's so interesting. Cause looking at it from my side of things, you can start connecting the dots that, you know, you were talking about sales and pipeline and, you know, it's so heavily focused on number-based outcomes, which, you know, feed into financial. Whereas for you, you, what you've told me in terms of what you enjoyed was being able to be creative and the environment to be creative would reward you differently because, you know, it's not always quite as tangible when it comes to the career you're in marketing. There's not always... Um, like it would be in tech sales, here is the, the target. And if you hit it, that's it. Whereas in your environment, being creative, the reward for that isn't always financial or numerical. The reward for that may be just recognition that you're doing good work. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people in my industry really, what they're really after is like industry, industry-wide level recognition, whether it's like a Con Lion award, excuse me, or mm-hmm. like a Clio award. I mean, those are the things that typically motivate creative people. But you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily discounting um, financial, you know, rewards. I mean, I'm obviously motivated by that in some way, because I'm, you know, I'm not working for a nonprofit, you know, Yeah. but uh, it's not my primary, you know, it's not my primary motivation. Hmm. Okay. Well, it's interesting because I think certain, certain individuals in certain careers have quite similar characteristics. So people I've spoken to that work in your industry in marketing are very creative and the rewards that they look for in their working environment are fairly similar, which is, you know, what, what am I putting out there and, and how is that being respond, you know, how are people responding to the creative work I'm putting out there? Whereas some people that work, may work in the financial services industry, for example, are very numbers driven and their rewards is how much am I earning off, you know, as a, as a, as a reward for the, the work I'm putting in. So I think really a, a big thing I'm learning about, you know, people's success is that, certain industries harbor certain characteristics in certain individuals and and you know there seems to be themes across them so um you know that's what i'm trying to get to the to the bottom of is if someone that's looking at finding the right career or environment for them what are the you know the the, the typical characteristics with yeah. certain certain industries yeah um, and, and oh sorry i was just also going to say like you know we, we consult a lot for companies on this exact topic and 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 there's a book that i would recommend and I, i'm forgetting the author's name i think his name is Bill Richardson, but it's, it's called Good to Great. I'm sure you've read it. Maybe you haven't. But essentially, it's all about getting the right people in the right seats at a company in order to move forward and really kind of, you know, make the impact you want to make as an organization personally. And, and just a lot of people, you know, that's a simple thing to say, but a lot of companies and a lot of people don't get that right because they might be sitting in a great seat, but it's not the seat for them, right? It doesn't it doesn't align with their skill sets. It doesn't align with their motivations. It doesn't align with their goals. So, yeah, I think um, it takes it takes a lot of different kinds of personalities to to move any kind of project forward. You know, public, private, whatever. That's really interesting you say that because I, I was going to ask you, from, you know, from your exposure, you obviously work with a lot of successful companies, and I'm sure at times you've worked with companies that probably haven't succeeded. So. As a on, as a macro, what would you say that the companies that really succeed and grow, what do they get right? And maybe the companies that struggle and, and maybe, you know, fall away, what do they get wrong, from, in your opinion? 
This is a great question. No one ever asked me this kind of question. Um, I think ultimately people want to feel good about what they do. And so if you understand the fundamental, when you, when you start a company, you're essentially asking, unless the company is completely publicly owned or, or, or everybody's a, 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 you know, a employee owner, generally there's like, you know, a stakeholder, you know, set of folks at a company and everybody else is just, you know, compensated to essentially build value for the stakeholders. And so all, it's really hard as a stakeholder to expect your employees to work as hard as you are willing to work because ultimately they don't have a stake in it. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, I, I think it's important to like ultimately allow your employees and allow everyone in the company to feel like a stakeholder by allowing them to help make group decisions. And so I think successful companies, especially moving forward, are the kinds of companies that democratize decision-making, that empower their employees to make decisions. Because ultimately, I think successful companies, the stakeholders view themselves as employees of their own employees. What can I do to make your job easier? What can I do to make your make you more effective in this role? What kinds of resources do you need from me in order to go out and do, you know, to achieve our goals as an organization? And so it's really flipping this top-down command and control structure on its head and letting your you're letting you know everyone in the company act as like a stakeholder and, and empower to make some of those decisions. Because ultimately, I feel that people are motivated. I mean, a base motivation for most people is that they want to feel good about where they work and what they do. And if you allow them, here's me, the marketing guy, the creativity to kind of figure out their own way of doing things, they're going to really take pride in their work. And ultimately, the, the real difference between a company that's going to fail and a, a successful company is that the average employee across the board takes pride in their work. And so if you're allowed a little bit of creativity to do things your way and, and not like some prescriptive, like you have to check off the boxes and A, B, and C, then I think you're going to have people who are, are, are going to take pride in like the different ways they can solve problems and, and, and share that organizationally. So that's, you know, that's from my perspective, what typically separates um, companies. And I think you see a lot of that kind of encapsulated at like companies, you know, whether it's Tesla or, or, or Netflix or, or some of the, the brands and the companies that are really growing today is servant leadership is what I would say is like making sure that, you know, you are serving the folks that work for you and, and not vice versa. I can completely and utterly agree with that. And I think it's so interesting for what you've said is that, and, and when I, the way I run my business is that everyone can be a stakeholder in different ways. So for example, if you were someone that joined my business, I would ask you for you, what is your, what do you want out of this right. job? And what you've told me is financials may are important, um, but there's so much more that you would like from your work. And the way I see it is a stakeholder, uh, primarily they're remunerated financially. That's why they're a stakeholder. They have a financial stake in the business. Now, you can be a stakeholder without a financial stake in the business right. in terms of you could be a stakeholder within the mission of that business. Yeah. If the mission of that business is to create value for their clients, then you can become a stakeholder in the mission of that business. And you feel like the work you're doing is giving you the rewards in the same way a stakeholder is receiving financial rewards. So I think I completely agree with what you're saying in that if you really and truly make people feel that they are part of the mission of this business, they will feel like a stakeholder without actually having, you know, financial stakes in the business. hundred percent. I could not agree anymore. I mean, that is, <clears throat> that's ultimately, you know, the one takeaway I, I, you know, when we speak with companies, like we tell them that's the number one thing you can do to kind of change the culture and to, and to get everyone 
on board. It's it's hard to do if you haven't been doing it, but if you kind of enter it in uh, any kind of endeavor with that mentality, like it's so much easier to succeed right off the get, right off the bat. I agree, and you know what I think. And using a personal example, I, I think it's it's hard if you're only doing it for your own benefit. If you're doing it just to get a reward for yourself, it's hard because you're just doing it for the sake of you know inadvertently trying to win yourself. But if you genuinely want any person that joins the business to have a share in the mission, and it's a genuine mission you're on, I think it's quite straightforward. And, I, and I'll give you one example from our business. You know, we are genuinely on a mission to try and, and improve financial planning and make it accessible to everyone. And we want anyone that joins our organization to share in that mission. So we have one thing in our, our CRM that's called a happiness board, where we ask people to interact with this board and say, what could make your job better? What things are, are you unhappy about in your work? What things are stressing you out? And then we'll assign someone to work with them as together. It, it literally says who is helping you on, uh, on resolving this, this issue. And I think it makes a huge difference because people feel like, actually, I am really cared for in this business and I do have a genuine say in, in, on improving and growing it. Yeah, I mean, I think we have some very similar to our company, but yeah, I mean, being able to have a voice in your own company and being heard I mean, I think that's like, at this point, like you have to be doing those things. Like, otherwise mm -hmm. you're just, it's just a giant middle finger to like <laughs> the folks that work yeah. for you. And, you know, eventually that that's not going to resonate with, with folks over time mm -hmm. and they'll just jump ship the moment yeah. they get a chance to. So, yeah. 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 I completely agree. I think that that's really such a great point. And I'm, I'm glad you, you know, you, you agree with that. So one thing that I like to do, Bob, and I like to put people on the spot as you've, as you've, you can tell. Okay. So one thing I'm going to ask you, and you're only allowed to say one thing, what one piece of general life advice would you give someone if you could only give them one bit of advice? Now I ask <laughs> everyone this, some people could ask straight away. Some people take a moment to think about it. So um, yeah, I mean, I think, I, and I think for me, I, I'm going to come out and say it and then I'm just going to explain it. Go for it. So, and hopefully we have a, a PG 13 rating here, but <laughs> somebody told me this a long time ago and it's really resonated and I wish I would have heard it earlier in my life, but if it's not, if it's not a, a fuck yes, it's a no, meaning <laughs> a lot of people enter into things in their life kind of like 50, 50. And, and 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 they don't realize until a lot of energy is spent a lot you know they, they they invest a lot of energy whether it's emotional physical you know personal whatever business wise and then they realize at the very end that you know what i didn't have a really strong feeling about this to begin with and like had i just gone with my gut right i would have i would have avoided the situation or i would have like taken it head on you know whatever it is like i think you gotta be passionate about the things you do in your life like if you not if you don't feel strongly about it, you shouldn't be doing it. Okay, so that's great. I really like that, and I completely agree. I like you've got more to add to that. <laughs> and you could you could beat that out if you need to, but yeah, I mean, if it's not an F, yes, it's got to be a no. Okay, I completely agree with that. I completely agree, and it's interesting because every time I ask someone this question, I can see by their facial expression that they really mean what they're saying, and that's how I know that that is their their, their best bit of life advice they can give. I really appreciate that, Bob. Unless there's anything else you wanted to add, you know, I, I've really, really enjoyed this and appreciated your time. No, yeah, I mean, things like this are great. I mean, I I love sharing and, and discussing these kinds of things because I think sometimes throughout the day we don't have we don't really provide ourselves with a mental space to to discuss and explore these topics, and I think they're worthy mm -hmm. of, of regular discussion and exploring because you know I always said that if I can go back 
and start like some course for recent college graduates to prepare them for the world, it would be like this kind of conversation. These are the mm -hmm. kinds of conversations people need to be having because mm -hmm. if, if you just never address these things about yourself and about what you want and your motivations and your strengths, you know, you're going to waste a lot of time, primarily your own to figure this kind of stuff out. Not that yeah. that's anything bad with that, you know, that's part of the learning process, but just a lot of people, you know, don't have the the time to be that kind of, to be self-aware like that. So I think it's a great exercise and and, and I love what you're doing, man. And I'm going to support you any yeah. way I can. Thank you. I appreciate that, Bob. And, and well, last thing I'll add to that as well, it's not only, you know, graduates, people starting out to give them, you know, a nudge in the right direction, but someone that may be, you know, 10, 15 years into a career they just don't love and they're not passionate about, and they just need to hear something like this that says, you know what, it's never too late. And and I'm never going to be happy unless I, I really go and look for something that, that gives me, you know, a reason to get up in the morning and do the same as what you did, rather than feel, oh, I can't be bothered to go into work on Monday. It's like, I can't wait. And this is really feeding into my you know, into my creativity or the, my strengths. And this is a company I really believe that that's making a difference. So that's the kind of thing we want to get, get at from here. And, and I'm glad we're getting there. Love to hear that. Love to hear that. Thanks so much, Bob. I really appreciate your time. Okay. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Ops. Take care, Bob. Thank See you. you.